Welcome to the Persuasion Lab. This is Martin Medeiros, and today we're going to talk about negotiating secrets. I'm talking about when you want to keep some information confidential, what are some things we can do to persuade, influence, and negotiate those obligations. Before we get started on today's podcast, I would like to mention a couple of places to visit where you can view some of my content. If you would like to learn more about negotiation, you can head on to negotiationstrategist.com. We also have a Facebook page called Negotiation Strategist Research and an Instagram page called The Persuasion Lab. We post content weekly to the Facebook and Instagram pages, so check us out there. Finally, nothing in this podcast is intended, nor should it be relied on, as legal, medical, psychological, or financial advice. So, how do we keep things secret? How do we persuade people to keep confidential information? It may be a uh, trade secret. It may be a settlement. It may be something embarrassing. The vehicle we use is a written agreement, and those of you who know about my eight-point negotiation strategic plan, having a written form of the accord is an essential part of that. Now, there's two different main flavors of documents, contracts, that bind us to keep secrets. One is called the one-way-out for lack of a better term, non-disclosure agreement. And the other one is mutual. One way out is when I'm a party and I really don't need you to tell me anything secret, but I'm going to show you my secrets so you can better, say, respond to a request for a proposal or uh, can give me some information on something that I need uh, mm-hmm. when you're the service provider And I am essentially just giving you uh, my side of things so you can better prepare somebody to give me information. The other is a mutual non-disclosure agreement or mutual confidentiality agreement. And this is when we're working on a, a dual project or we both have secrets that we want to protect. And that would be called a mutual NDA or mutual non-disclosure agreement or mutual confidentiality agreement. Basically, they bond us to keep things secret. Now, This is in the news a lot. We always hear about parties settling a case for an undisclosed amount. Uh, Well, what does that mean? That means it's secret. People aren't disclosing it, and they're actually bound to disclose it. And if they disclose it, they will suffer some type of penalty, usually monetary uh, in most cases. But let's get into some of the parts of confidential information and and what that means. If I'm negotiating a confidentiality agreement, I really want to know what confidentiality means. What information is confidential? It could be something like uh, a trade secret. That's obvious. Uh, There's a legal definition for that. It could be the facts and circumstances that are non-public around a certain event or a settlement or a dispute. Uh, in the case of a legal settlement. Now, there may be something else 
that's confidential, just not the information, but they may, may be materials such as documents, uh, maybe disks, uh, files, electronic files, and, and such. Uh, those are things that I want to be clear are confidential. Just as important as confidential information are things that aren't confidential. So most cases, there are at least three things that are not confidential. In other words, it's not reasonable for me to ask someone as a negotiation point to not talk about these things. Uh, for example, um, say something that was acquired by the other side uh, from a third party lawfully, you know, they didn't pay anyone to break into their offices and steal documents. Uh, so if they lawfully acquired the information, uh, that is outside the scope of confidential. If they did everything right and they have the same facts, can't stop that. Uh, secondly, um, if it was developed without reliance on confidential information of the other party by one party, you would not be able to claim that because if they came upon the solution, let's say they were developed developing some software and they came upon the same solution you did and there's no evidence that they stole it, well, that's not confidential information because they already know it. And finally, confidential information is not things that are publicly available. If you can Google them and generally find them out rightfully by someone who publishes them uh, under uh, uh, lawfully, it's not wrongfully published, uh, then that generally is fair game. Publicly available information, uh, published, say, patents. Patents are generally published 18 months after you file the application. That's publicly available information. That's not confidential. So those are some three things that we can't really... Uh, you're wasting your time trying to negotiate those as confidential information. Uh, so... We also come upon this idea of, okay, we know what confidential information is. How long do I have to keep it quiet? Now, uh, there are people who say, uh, oh, five years is good or four years or three years. Uh, I personally think it depends. If it's something that's evanescent, if it's something that changes, uh you may want to put a term on it, but there are a lot of types of information that should survive even the term, survive termination of that agreement. For example, a trade secret. As long as I comply with the law on keeping my formula secret, uh, then I probably should benefit from that confidentiality obligation, not just from you, but for anyone else who wrongly acquires the information. Uh, also, I want to think of, well, how do we have to guard this information? If I'm saying, hey, I want you to respond to this bid. Uh, here's the inner workings of my secret lair. Uh, I don't want people to see it for some security purposes. I would ask you to protect that information to the same degree of care that you would handle your own confidential information, at least, at least, and certainly... If you're a defense contractor, you know that that may not be enough. You may have a higher level, a higher standard degree of care for 
carrying that information. Uh, one thing that's important is uh, in the handling of the confidential information, I don't want you to use it unless you pay me. In other words, give you a license. If I'm showing you a formula, a method, or some secret source code, computer code, I don't want you to think you can use that without paying me. That's a different agreement. If you want to do that, you can get an agreement called a license. You can license actually confidential information. A non-disclosure agreement isn't a license, and you should state clearly in that agreement or make sure the parties understand that this is not a license. You can't use it. This is just us exchanging information, talking about stuff, trying to know each other better. For example, uh, I'm buying your company. Uh, I may see a lot of stuff. I am not going to use that for my company. Uh, and that's something that you should stay in your agreement. Uh, there may be some other things, especially if there's any defense contractors listening. There's a lot of uh, controls on information, confidential information that's traded across borders in the United States. We have something called the U.S. Export Control Act, uh, control laws. We have something called ITAR, the International Traffic and Arms Regulations. Uh, we have uh, various regulations that bar uh, foreign individuals, employees, or companies from accessing certain confidential information if it has to do with national security. So if you are a defense contractor, your negotiation would be a little more complex than someone saying, looking to buy a franchise of some company and acquiring that. And generally, before you buy a business, before you acquire a major asset, you want to have a period called due diligence where you can get in, look at records, kick the tires metaphorically, so you can know better or not uh, whether or not you want to proceed with the actual purchase of that complex asset. Could be a company, could be uh, a major fixed asset or real estate, something like that where uh, you'd want to do a, a little bit more due diligence. And that's actually what the um, that due diligence period in the retail or the residential real estate, that's when you sign a contract and you have a period to do testing, mold testing, radon testing. Uh, and in the industrial, you want to do core samples, get kind of an EPA uh, review, among other things. So those are some due diligence periods where you want to say whatever you find in that period, I'd probably like you to keep that confidential as well. There are some other provisions you want uh, you want to make sure that whatever they hear, you are not uh, warranting. You're not saying it's accurate. You know, what they see by their own accord, they're going to be looking through your files, your records, or your tech. You want to say, hey, we're not saying anything about the tech. This is just for you to evaluate it how you see fit. It may have defects. It may have errors. It may be deficient in some ways. And we're not warranting that that information is 100% accurate, it's the best we have, which is kind of the the basics. So uh, as we get into uh, you know, negotiation 101 on secrets, those are the basic parts. There's, uh, with non-disclosure agreements, you see a lot of boilerplate um, common terms which should be reviewed. 
uh, on other things, but the core of the relationship is stated. What's confidential? How am I going to handle it? What's not confidential? We're not doing business yet. It's a, and so there's no license. I'm not selling you anything. And I'm not going to give you a warranty to that information. So those are kind of like the main organs and the term. The term should be for a term of years, but certain terms should survive. Now, when you get to uh, more restrictive things, uh, high technology, where there's a lot of back and forth, you generally have additional terms. For example, if these people are going to be knocking around my organization, uh, I will want to make sure that they're not soliciting my employees because bad actors sometimes solicit employees and persuade them to breach their confidences. And once they're an employee, they, they figure they have more control over them or a contract. And generally, this is called a non-solicitation clause. You're seeing a lot of these non-solicitation clauses in non-disclosure agreements these days. Uh, another thing is, uh, I'm going to show you my stuff. We're looking at it. I don't want you to compete with my uh, technology, with my organization, with my business. This is just a look-see. This isn't anything else. Let's kind of keep it walled off. And the third clause is called this uh, this idea of what we uh, term, for want of a better term, non-circumvention. Basically, I'm not going to do an end-around. I'm not going to sign an NDA poke around your shop and try to recreate, uh, decompile, reverse engineer uh, your tech, your stuff, your, uh, if it's a pre-release book by an author, I'm not going to try to write a similar story. These are things that are important in a non-disclosure agreement. So these kind of, it's kind of like the non-disclosure agreement plus terms, which are non-solicitation non-compete and non-circumvention as I talked about. Now, one thing in the United States that's new, relatively new, it's four years old now, but as the at the recording of this, is the uh, Defend Trade Secrets Act. And what this, I call this the uh, the Apple Clause. Uh, and, I, and Congress basically asked it when the FBI couldn't get into the cell phone of a suspected terrorist and they wanted information about that person and uh, the person had a legitimate um, uh, defense saying I'm not going to tell you because I signed this other agreement if I disclose this confidentiality agreement then I'll get sued and what the Defend Trade Secrets Act does among other things it gives a federal cause of action to theft of trade secrets there's a lot of other things in law but the, the, the principal part for negotiating confidentiality agreements in this context is you have to provide notice to people to allow them to disclose if they're ordered by law. This is called a whistleblower protection uh, legislation, and that's what the Defend Trade Secrets Act does, among other things. And you actually have to provide notice in the actual NDA to this if you want to avail yourselves of damages. For example, if someone screws up and they wrongfully disclose it, they claim the defense and it didn't work, then you don't want to bar yourself from getting certain remedies for that. So that is the basic organs of the non-disclosure agreement, 
how to negotiate, what things you should be concerned about, the deal points of your secrecy agreements. But at the end of the day, you have to know that these agreements are enforceable. You hear about people breaching them in the news, and I can assure you they are enforced. And there's a lot of cases where executives going from one company to another are uh, disclose secrets, and these agreements are enforced because they're the primary mechanism with which we enforce trade secrets, among other things. Now, uh, and also they protect us against a lot of torts, uh, projecting facts in a false light, um, disclosure of private facts. These are called torts. Generally, there's two buckets of law. There's contract law, which is the NDAA side, and there's tort law, which deals with some of these uh, causes of action. So if you want to replace those rights, those causes of action of publishing private embarrassing facts, potentially, you would want to get a non-disclosure agreement, which is generally part of every settlement agreement. So that's today's uh, podcast on keeping secrets. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. More and more people are listening. We're up substantially. Do check out my website, subscribe to my newsletter, and you will get weekly or even more often, uh, or sometimes less often, uh, ways to effectively negotiate your transactions. This is Martin Medeiros. Thank you for coming to the Persuasion Lab. And remember, we negotiate, influence, and persuade in order to communicate our needs to the world and how effective we are at communicating those needs determines if, in fact, our needs are met. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.